girls be like, oh, I have such bad anxiety. And then they're on their third fucking triple latte and they're about to watch a murder documentary, right? Like, guys, come on, wake up and smell the coffee. No pun intended. Welcome to the Wellness Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, and I'm excited to take you on a journey to reclaiming and reconnecting to your magic, the magic of your health, your wealth, and your soul's purpose. As a woman's wellness coach and business mentor, I've been coaching women for over 15 years, helping them rediscover their innate abilities to heal, to transform, and to manifest their deepest desires. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of inspiration and information, diving into the multifaceted approach of what it means to live to our fullest potential. Let's do this. This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back, friends. I hope your day is off to an amazing start. Really excited to share with you our guest today, Kaylor Betts. We dive into all sorts of things. It's just an easy conversation. It's a fun conversation. Perhaps you're familiar with Kaylor. He is known as the anti-woke freedom fighting life coach. And you can probably tell from that title He is all about pushing buttons and speaking his truth and diving into uncomfortable topics. I truly admire his boldness and his braveness. I really do. I feel like listening to him, watching him over on social media, it often sparks this little bit of courage in me, which I I'm all for. I'm all for diving deeper into that courage to find my voice and to speak my truth. And sometimes that's going to be really uncomfortable. So we talk a little bit about that in our interview today. Kaylor actually starts off by taking us into his health history. He dealt with a lot of depression and anxiety and couldn't get out of bed. So he dives into a little bit of that and really shares his story around ultimately feeling as though the medical Western medical care system really failed him. And I'm sure that a lot of us feel that way. So we dive into that. We talk about freedom fighting, anti-woke entrepreneurship, what that actually means. And we talk a little bit about COVID and really what these last three years have taught him, the gift of owning your voice, We talk about achieving mental wealth and what that means. What are some key pillars that has helped him that could potentially help you as well? And if you're struggling right now and feeling like you just can't get out of bed, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling depressed, and you don't know where to start, he's going to give you some really great recommendations. We talk a little bit about business and his brand and bringing that all to life and really creating this vision for himself and his business. And I'm just excited for our interview today. It's inspiring, it's insightful, and it's truly honest. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's dive in. Hello, Kaylor. Welcome to the Wellness Witch Podcast. Yeah, what's going on, Wellness Witch? You? <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to have you here. Thanks. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. It wasn't too long ago that we had you on my show, so it's uh, and that was fun. So if today is half as fun as that, we'll we'll have a a rootin' tootin' time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome! I'm looking forward to it. I was just saying to you beforehand before we hit record, I was like, normally I prep for interviews. <laughs> 
I didn't do that so much for today. Um, and that's mainly because you're just really easy to talk to. And I feel like you're just good at like riffing and going off. So we're going to go with the flow. I think that for our listeners who may not be familiar with you, I think it would be a great place to start with just kind of taking us back a little bit in your history, however far you kind of want to go. I know that you've gone through a lot. You've had a lot of personal growth and transformation. So maybe take us through that a little bit so we can get to know you a little bit more. Yeah. So I think you weren't nervous about your lack of preparation because you know, I can talk and I can <laughs> yes. riff. So yeah, it's, it's, I'm a freestyle guy, so let's do it. So I yeah, I mean, look, um, I'll, I always try and keep this short and efficient in terms of my story and what brought me to the point that I'm at today. I mean, the Coles notes, if you will, is I was in a battle with my mind for as far back as I can remember. And I, what I mean by that is I struggled with, you know, truly, even before I knew what it really was, I had anxiety, depression, I had difficulties focusing. Um, and I just, I was an overthinker, I was a worrier. And that really was difficult growing up, particularly when you don't really know what it is, right? Because they don't teach you that in school. My parents, you know, God bless them. They didn't really know. Right. Um, you know, what that was either. Right. Um, and anyways, fast forward to, I was, a, I was a really big athlete. So I think sports really, I played basketball and volleyball and I was really into it. My identity was wrapped up in my performance and, you know, how I did in my basketball and in my sports and it would, but it was everything to me. And it taught me a lot of amazing lessons way more than school did. You know, I didn't even graduate high school and cause I was not a good student, wasn't interested in it. And, uh, anyways, sports taught me a lot. It taught me everything, all the things, all the principles that I still live by today, all the things that I value. Uh, it made me realize what I truly value and what's truly important. It taught me how to go through adversity and challenges, how to uh, push myself, um, how to lose, how to win, right. How to get back up, how to work with a team, how to communicate personal responsibility mm -hmm. and discipline practice showing up sacrifice. It taught me everything that I find valuable today. And I think sports, I often say saved my life because, you know, it's so interesting to me when I look at people who really struggle and are in a battle with their mind, you know, there's two kinds of people. There's people who get out of it and there's people who stay in it, right? Unfortunately. And I've seen the opportunities in all of those breakdowns and those adversities and those challenges. And I just made a commitment and I truly think it came from sports. And I think specifically what it came from was in sports, I was taught that you just don't settle for mediocrity and you don't settle for losing. You do everything you can in your control to take ownership and responsibility and fucking win. And I just made a decision one day where I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to always fight it. I'm going to take ownership. I'm going to do everything I can control. I, I'm going to read all the books, see all the therapists and coaches. I'm going to do all the modalities. I'm going to watch all the Ted talks, go to all the events, like just do everything, get all the awareness and expansion and growth. Yep. And I just went on this relentless journey and I did 
everything. I threw spaghetti at the wall and something stuck. Mm-hmm. And um, here I am today, not only um, thriving, I would say most days. I don't want to be over dramatic. I'm, I'm not like crushing it and absolutely thriving every minute of every day. Sure. I, I don't have everything figured out, but I'm living a life that I never thought I would have. And I feel a way I never thought I would. And it's because I did a lot of healing. I still have more to do, but I've gotten there. And now I teach people how to do the same. And I think I like young Pablo's quote. He says, a hero is someone who heals their own wounds and then helps others do the same. So I'm not going to proclaim myself as a hero, but I certainly have healed a lot of my own wounds and now I'm helping others do the same. And I have a romantic word for what I'm helping people do and what I've accomplished. And it's called mental wealth. I like it. It is a romantic word. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Well, that's really beautiful. I know that you've spoken about being able to really overcome anxiety and depression with, without pharmaceuticals. So was there a point where that was pretty much what seemed to be the only option at the time? Yeah. I mean, that's when you look at our Western approach and the Western establishment, um, mostly what I mean by that is like the Western, uh, medical and clinical establishment. Um, you know, that's kind of the system that we have that is supposed to help and be there for you when, you know, you have an ailment and that includes a psychological ailment. And yeah, really all I had, you know, it was funny. I went, I did what you're supposed to. I went and saw the professionals and I went to a therapist and I saw quite a few and some of them even had like a PhD by their name, or um, some of them were a psychiatrist, some of them were a psychologist, psychotherapist, counselors. Um, and, you know, I'm not here. I think there's some great therapists out there. It's just like coaching, right? Like there's, there's coaches who shouldn't be taking a dime from people and just throw it in their Instagram bio and all of a sudden they're a coach, right? So I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on therapy. I mean, there's some unbelievable therapists out there and uh, thank God we have therapy, but I think a lot, just like I would say most industries, um, there are probably people there that probably shouldn't be doing what they're doing and have the responsibility that they have. And we just, you know, for me in particular, I just kind of sat around and talked about, you know, a lot of things, which adds some value and is maybe a small piece to the puzzle, but it certainly didn't include the work that I had to go out and do in the real world is where the real healing. And I don't mean like nose to the grindstone, like pushing and always masculine energy. I mean, the work sometimes is meditation and sitting in stillness and becoming aware of your unconscious patterns, right? Like, that's what I mean by work. Um, so that was kind of the first option. And then literally, I mean, you know, going to see a a doctor, um, you know, we know that doctors have on average about seven minutes with each patient and, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, Hey, I have anxiety. I'm having panic attacks. I feel really depressed and depleted. I can't focus. I have low sex drive at like low motivation, all that stuff. You know, it's like, all they really, I mean, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. 
with minor exceptions or with ex- some exceptions, minimal exceptions, most based on my experience and everything I've ever heard about people's experience, the only real answer is to take out a prescription pad. He didn't ask me if my circadian rhythm was regulated. He didn't ask me if I was, you know, having proper connecting, uh, healthy relationships. He didn't ask me about my diet, how many processed food. He didn't check my blood sugar to see if that had something to do with it or my fasting insulin or what my testosterone level was. Right. No. And some doctors do. Yeah. Some doctors do. It's very rare, but I just got a prescription pad with benzodiazepine SSRIs, um, and that was kind of the answer. And I thought there's got to be something more. And guess what? There is. And I don't know what innately it is in me, but I always have, I've always really been drawn to ancestrally consistent and evolutionarily consistent modalities. So like, I've always just been drawn to the quote unquote natural. And I I don't really like that term because poison ivy is natural. Not everything that's natural is good for you. But at the same time, I just always knew that drugs were kind of the, and I think maybe again, goes back to sports. It's like the, the quick fix, right? You know, it was, it was, it was too good to be true. I'm like, this is denying the act. This is denying work. Right. And in, in sports, you're taught how to like, you put in the work and there's no shortcut to winning. Totally. Awesome. So let's just talk about real quickly, like talk therapy, because I've shared my experience on the podcast before. And again, like therapists are, you know, there's amazing therapists, just like as there's amazing coaches, not so many amazing coaches, not so great therapists, but yeah, talk therapy. Oh my God does not work for me. And I understand like the value of being able to sit there and just like get it out and have somebody who can just non-judgmentally sit there and actually hold space and listen to you. But then what, what are you doing with this information? How do I move forward? Like what's the action step? Right. So I'd love to hear your experience with that. Yeah. Like I agree. So here's my take on it. Um, if you want, if you truly want, I, I do believe communicating what's going on internally and what you're feeling and communicating your emotions has value and that can be therapeutic. Yes. But if you want talk therapy, go talk to your friend or your family member, someone who will listen, and then you can save the $250 and then, you know, and then you get the value. Look, one of the first and most important steps to recovery is awareness to become conscious and aware of your unconscious unhealthy patterns that aren't serving you and are a disservice to you and your life. So if you go to a therapist, there is value in going to a therapist or a coach and sitting down with them and having them ask the right questions to bring the answers and the thought patterns and the wounds and the emotions and all of those things up to the surface and so that you can both see them and then you can become aware of those unconscious unhealthy patterns that aren't serving you. There's a lot of value in that, but I would argue that that's not talk therapy. That's not just talking. It's, it's 
a very, and it's one of the things we do in our coaching is it's a very strategic approach into helping them become aware, more self-aware of what is that subconscious conditioning that's going on within? What are your wounds, right? And how might they be manifesting in sabotaging yourself and things in your life? There's a lot of value to that, but that's step number one. Becoming aware of those things are only as valuable as what the fuck are you going to go out and do about them? Because you have to, once you become aware of those things, you then have to go out and, you know, work through those things in the real world, because the only way to beat a wound, the only way to, I should say, heal a wound, the only way to beat anxiety, overcome, manage anxiety, the only way to um, overcome and lean into our fears is to ultimately face them in the real world. You can't just sit around and talk about it. It's like learning how to golf. You're not going to sit buy clubs and then sit around and learn how to golf through your mind. You might learn, you might read a book, you might become aware of like how your body is going to react normally and how to tweak and change it. But then you got to go to the driving range and you got to swing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's the awareness is so important. And like to be able to have somebody that can help you connect those dots so you can understand the why behind your actions or your inactions. That's what's really important. So I found going to talk therapy, like I didn't get that feedback. And then yeah, I, I didn't either. Yeah. And but so, that's what a good therapist or coach will do is like, yes, it'll be talk, but that's not talk therapy to me. Talk therapy is just like, well, how did that make you feel? You know, like, and it's like, yeah. and you just talk and sure you feel good often by the end, but it really doesn't do anything to get to the root cause of like what's actually going on internally. Totally. So for somebody who might be listening right now, who is going through anxiety, depression, can't get out of bed, it just all feels really hard and they have no idea, like, what is that next step? What do I do? Like, where, what do you recommend? Where should somebody start? I wish that I could say a modality or a tip or a trick that's just going to, you know, make their anxiety go away. I really wish the fact of the reality is, is healing is very complicated and nuanced and everyone has a unique situation. Everyone has unique, uh, subconscious conditioning. Everyone has unique wounds and trauma that are unresolved. Everyone has a different nervous system. Everyone has different biochemistry. Everyone has a different brain perspective, worldview The the list goes on. So it's really difficult to sit here and actually give like very specific things. However, that might be disappointing. I do have good news though. And I do have profound things to say. Here's basically what I would say is a truly bulletproof way of overcoming and or managing your anxiety so that you're in the driver's seat of it. And it's not in the driver's seat of you, right? Because I made a post about this last night on my Instagram. Like I still deal with anxiety. I think that, well, everyone deals with anxiety. Anxiety is a human emotion. Yes. When, when we say that we're suffering from anxiety, it means it's persisting beyond what a normal human amount, I hate to use the word normal, but like it persists to a point where it now interrupts your life and your functioning. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, if you are dealing with anxiety or depression, you're just, you just feel like shit at the end of the day, the first thing 
there's a few things, few key components. The first thing is you have to take personal responsibility and ownership. You cannot play a victim. You cannot sit there and say, woe is me. And like, why me? And like, this isn't fair. And like, oh, I'm never going to get out of this. It's like, no, no, no. You need to look in the mirror and say, I don't care how hard this is. I don't care how much adversity, how much time it takes that I have to go through. I'm going to get to a point where I overcome and manage this so that I'm in the driver's seat. And it's possible. You have to believe that it's possible. And you then have to make a commitment and it's a decision to say, I'm just going to get off my ass and I'm going to start with the low hanging fruit. Look, I talk to so many people every single week who have anxiety. I see it. I'm, I'm immersed in this world. You know how many people I, I literally posted a meme the other day that was like, girls be like, oh, I have such bad anxiety. And then they're on their third fucking triple latte and they're about to watch a murder documentary right like it's like so fucking true right and it's like look i'm not against those things per se but you're not giving yourself a fighting chance if you have anxiety and you're scrolling unconsciously on social media off and on all day and you're um you know vaping or overly consuming caffeine, you're not in the gym working out and you're sitting on your ass a lot throughout the day, you're watching murder documentaries, like whatever it is, start with the low hanging fruit. I'm not saying that's the solution to anxiety, but so many people, are you eating a lot of processed foods? Like guys, come on, wake up and smell the coffee. No pun intended, (laughs) right? Like wake up and start with the low hanging fruit and just make a commitment to, okay, once you do that, you clean up the things that you know you can do better, then start reading the books, right? Start hiring the coaches, get into the program, hire a good therapist, right? You know, get your blood work done, find a good practitioner that can really make sure they look at your blood work and they know what it, you know, someone, maybe a naturopath or someone who can actually do that kind of work, you know, like just get on that path and just relentlessly do everything and throw spaghetti at the wall. Some things will stick, some things won't. And that's totally fine. You got to figure out what it is. And then lastly, truly, this might be the most important thing. You know, the way out of anxiety is a shift in perspective. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Mm -hmm. In every difficulty, there's a massive opportunity. When you overcome and manage your anxiety and it stops stops ruling your life, it will be the biggest opportunity in in your entire life. I would not be half as ambitious. I would not have half of what I have. I would not be half as healthy. I would not treat myself. I wouldn't have as much even half of the gratitude that I have if I didn't suffer all of those years with anxiety, right? I broke free and it's been one of the biggest learning lessons and it's built my character, like the list goes on. So know that although it doesn't seem like it right now, it's your Everest. People pay like $50,000 to go climb Everest. It will fucking tear you down. It will bring you to your knees. It is dangerous it's difficult. It's adverse. There's challenges. You're going to be fucking cold and freezing and the list goes on. But yet 
people do it because when you get to the top, it's pretty fucking meaningful and it teaches you invaluable lessons that you will take to your grave with you. It's like, if you're going through it, you're just like halfway up Everest, let it take you down, but just know that if you keep going, you keep persisting, you're going to get to that peak one day and it's going to be really special. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to like, listen to those nudges. Like I, I feel like we all have those little nudges of like, maybe I should start exercising. Maybe I should drink more water. Maybe I should start meditating. Like whatever that is for you. Like, you know, you were saying we're obviously all so different. We're biochemically different. We're all drawn to different things, but we have those gentle nudges. And I think it's just important to listen to that nudge and follow that nudge because maybe for you, it's starting with exercise and someone over here, maybe it is starting with meditation. Maybe someone over here is like, I'm going to do cold plunging, like whatever it might be. I think you just have these nudges to like do something and like trust that nudge and move forward with it. And I, and I definitely know, and I've always seen it in my practice is like, if I can just get people moving their bodies, once you start moving and you're moving that energy, whether you're outside for a walk or you're in the gym or whatever it might be, moving that energy, that leads to the next thing of, I want to start eating better. And then that eating better, you know, and it just, it's this trickle effect when I'm sure you've probably seen too. Yeah. I call them game changing shifts. You know, I look at how many years I spent super anxious and depressed and I didn't get off my ass and just sweat, you know, like, and it's nuanced when we look at what the ideal way of working out is and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, when you're in that place, it doesn't matter. Just fucking get up and move. Like I sat on my ass and smoked weed and watched so much Netflix. And it's like, I could have just, if I would have just made that decision to get up off my ass and sweat, get on the treadmill, lift, like, and I know it's hard, put on a podcast, music, something uplifting and just sweat. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, it's a chain reaction. So if I would have just cho- just that one little change, instead of sitting on my ass, smoking weed, watching Netflix and you know, literally just laying with my thoughts and overthinking, if I would have just made that shift to just go to the gym instead, just that one decision and start with one, don't try a million things, start with one thing, just that, then I would have felt like eating healthier because we know that when we work out, we like are more inclined to eat healthier. Then I would have had less anxiety, which meant my mood would have gotten better Then my relationships would have gotten better, right? I would have felt better about myself and I, my self-worth would have increased, which would have lowered my anxiety. And then that would have been that little push to then be like, hey, what's the next thing? Mm, now I can do the sauna, right? Because the sauna also has a lot of data on like, that's really good for anxiety and depression. Right. And then I would go on my elimination protocol and actually start dialing in my diet. And then all three of those combines, the workout, the diet, and the sauna, now all of a sudden I'm feeling a lot better. People are like, hey, you have this glow about you. What's going on? It's like, oh, I'm just making these little changes, right? So I master those three, and then I start on the next thing, right? Then I start on the meditation, right? And then my nervous system gets way more calmer. Like, that's how it starts. Yep. Don't try a million things at once. Pick one game-changing shift, and it will have a snowball effect. Yeah, I love that. Are you looking to take your brain to the gym? That's exactly what Lion's Mane can do for you. 
It's going to support mental agility and prevent cognitive dysfunction. Aversio Wellness has this great product called Focus Now, and it's organic lion's mane eight to one dual extract. What that means is it's highly therapeutic. Lion's mane benefits the brain in many ways and supports improved concentration, memory, productivity, and mental clarity. So goodbye brain fog. So if you are looking to get a therapeutic dose of lion's mane, that's going to help you focus and get lots of work done for the day while supporting whole body health, head on over to aversiowellness.com. Use the coupon code wellnesswitch and you can save 15% off site wide. If brain fog and mental stress have you feeling frazzled and you're feeling a bit disconnected and unproductive these days, that's where Lion's Mane is going to come in to the rescue. Again, head on over to aversiowellness.com, use the coupon code wellnesswitch and save 15% off. If you are looking for a delicious, non-chalky plant-based protein, my go-to is the Organifi Complete Protein. It is absolutely delicious, and it is one of the only proteins on the market that I know that is certified glyphosate residue-free. It is also made with 20 grams of diverse protein sources, ensuring it is an all-in-one nourishing solution. And I promise it really is creamy and delicious. I've only tried their vanilla. I know that they have chocolate as well. So maybe you are a chocolate fan, go for it. There's 20 grams of protein to keep you satiated and feeling full longer. There's minerals and vitamins derived from whole food sources like fruits, vegetables, pea, and quinoa. And they even have digestive enzymes to really optimize and support gut health. Their protein sources come from pea, quinoa, pumpkin, plus they have some digestive enzymes. I absolutely love it. And it's one of my go-to proteins and it's delicious. Head on over to OrganifiShop.com. Use the coupon code HEALTHYHORMONES at checkout and save 15% off your purchase. Okay. I want to shift gears a little bit. And this next question could really take us down a rabbit hole. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, let's talk about the shit that's pissed you off over the past two to three years. Oh, nothing has. I've been nothing? just uh, sitting over here. It's been sunshine <laughs> and rainbows. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot we can dive into there. So wherever you want to start with this, whatever you feel called to. You know, on, on April 8th, 2021, at about 7.30 Mountain Standard Time, I released a nine-minute rant about COVID and our response to it. Now, remember, March, or sorry, April 8th, 2021. So we were about a year in. Right. Um, but this was like before the vaccine rolled out and it was like as they were being developed and it was like mid like lockdowns central and you know everyone was wearing masks and everyone was panicking and all this stuff and you know so but we had enough time to kind of see what had happened and um you know then you know so we had a lot of data and we could really not know everything but it was pretty clear some of the obvious things that we should know by then about covid and in terms of just like uh, death rate and and how fast this spreads, how it spreads, uh, all this stuff. Now, I put out that video as a nine minute rant, and yeah, it blew up. It it was like it it over. I don't want to say overnight because it was over the course of like over a week or two. 
um, yeah, it, it, it changed my life as dramatic as that sounds. It changed my life forever because, you know, across all platforms, it, it had over a million views and particularly in Canada, like mostly Western Canada. So there's a lot of people in like Western Canada, a little bit in the East, a little bit in the States, some international, but when you have that many people listen to you for nine minutes about a very polarizing topic, yeah, that'll change your life. It brought amazing things into my life. It also brought, you know, a lot of hate and stresses. It reminds me about how the things that bring you the most opportunity are obvious often, the things that bring the most stressors as well too. But yeah, it changed my life in not only that way, but it also made me understand how liberating it is to speak your truth and to just say what's on your mind. And that liberated me because in a way I was putting on a mask. Like I think a lot of people are, and I'm sure I still succumb to it some days because we just want to be accepted. We want to have a sense of belonging that's within our biology, right? We are wired that way for survival because for most of human history we were thrown to the wolves if we weren't but it so it taught me a lot of things and then from then on i just spoke often about all the things that i think are look we've had a really good run since world war ii ended you know they call it like the 75 year run and the world has been really good i mean i'm sure you can attest to this like growing up, like I didn't really care too much. I mean, maybe you did, but I didn't care too much about politics. I was fascinated by the way the world worked and I was kind of getting into politics before March, 2020. But man, when COVID came around, it exposed a lot of what's wrong uh, with our world and our system. And COVID was really interesting because it not only exposed the government, and how much power they actually have, their actual agenda, how much they're willing to actually infringe on our rights and freedoms when any excuse comes along. Mm -hmm. And then also the pharmaceutical companies, right? And how corrupt they are as well too, which I kind of already knew um, based on my experience that we talked about before. But yeah, it exposed those things. And it was also really interesting to see society's response and to see how many people are fucking asleep. And there's something called cognitive dissonance, which basically is the acceptance of believing something because it's convenient for you and your life and your ideology and your identity, right? So... I really saw that out of society is like, I've, I seen everyone's need for belonging and acceptance and, and how they will just follow along with the narrative and not really question anything because it's easier and it's more convenient. Right. And they want to be accepted and then they can fight for something. But it's like, there was a few of us still to this day. There's a few of us, there's more than back then, but there, there's a, there's a, portion of the population that's willing to critically think and say, I'm going to put my bias to the side, even though I'm sure my critics and your critics would say that, of course, we have some bias, of course, but you know, I'm willing to, I don't care what tribe I got to be in or what party I'm in or considered in. I don't care if an issue is left or right or in the middle or up in space. I am committed to the objective truth. And I've tried to stay committed to the objective truth throughout all of this. And that's maybe just a little bit of a summary of what I've realized and uh, what's kind of pissed me off in the last uh, year or so, or 
two years, uh, three years now. Yeah. I'll I'll pause there. Yeah. So, man, there's so many, <laughs> so many routes I can go here. Um, what's coming to mind is like the gift of owning your voice. And I mean, really just like what the past three years has taught you. And I think one of the biggest gifts that came from that was, was really owning your voice. Like you made this, it's so funny that you remember the exact day and the exact time that post that you made nine minutes. Um, cause it had such a profound impact on you and your growth and moving forward. And like, I know for myself, there's for 1000% a mask that I, I even, even now I can just feel it, the constriction in my throat of like, do, where do I go with this? How deep do I, you know, like it is there and it's, it's lingering and it's lingering in like so much of the work that I do. And sometimes I just have to tell myself like fucking snap out of it. Like you have to speak your truth and you have to trust that when you do that, the right people are going to come to you and, and also recognizing it's okay to not be liked. Mm -hmm. It is okay. So that was a little bit all over the place, but these are just all the things that are coming to mind right now. So, you know, the gift of owning your voice, let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I think it, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. I I was just going to say, I, it's admirable that you say that, that that still is something that, because we all deal with it. I mean, you know, including me, I've come a long ways, but yeah, I mean, there's still, there's still so many actions, behaviors, and decisions that I make, um, that are really at the end of the day to do with people's opinions. Right. And, and, my desire to be accepted and belong because now I have this new tribe of people and I have to actually even really be conscious of that. I've made some videos in the last few months that have actually turned off some of my followers because now, now we're like the temperature has gone down with COVID and now it's like, now I'm starting to talk about some other things and some of my followers that I gained over that period are realizing that they don't, believe what I, we don't have the same opinion on other things. Right. So it's like, but I have to stay committed to what I believe because look, both are hard. Both have pros and cons, right? There are downsides to both. There are upsides to both. Mm -hmm. I think you just have to, everything's a trade-off. And I think you have to ask yourself, what is the cost of suppressing my authentic truth and, um, and my authentic self? What's the cost of that? Well, I think the cost, there's many. First off, it's exhausting to have a mask on and to be trying to play. It's it's kind of like you're acting, yep. right, in your life. And that's exhausting, right? It's way more conducive to energy to just be who you truly are, right? One of my favorite quotes is, um, let the world see who you truly are and then let them deal with it right Mm -hmm. and speak your truth even if your voice shakes right even if it's difficult it takes courage to be disliked Mm -hmm. and the other reason why it's so good for you is because i think at the end of the day we're always affirming to our psychology when we show up and we're afraid to be who we truly are that means that we're literally affirming to our psychology that who we truly are isn't good enough 
right. and that we need to hide it. And what do you think that does for self-worth? Because we all have a self-concept. We all have a self-identity. We all have this version of ourselves, this belief, this identity of ourselves in our subconscious of who we believe ourselves to be. And right. if you're always showing up as someone fake and you're not expressing what you actually believe and you're just going along with what society is saying and the narrative out there, well, then you're literally every time you do that affirming that, well, you know, my worth, I'm not worthy of expressing my authentic truth. I'm not adequate. I'm not enough. And of course, that's going to have ramifications. That's going to manifest in low self-worth. Mm-hmm. And that can manifest in a lot of things, right? A lot of anxiety and depression comes from feelings of inadequacy. So it's just so important to just fucking show up as who you are. It's so difficult. I'm not going to lie. It's very, And it goes against our innate biological wiring because we we just have been so wired to just be accepted and have that belonging for survival reasons. But man, if you can find the courage to just be who you truly are and sure you're going to get disliked for it, you get desensitized to it after a while. It actually gets easy. And then you end up realizing, Oh, the wrong people go and the right people come. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing that I often kind of struggle with is this idea that we have the social media, many social media platforms. And like, historically, we're not meant to have communities of millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people, right? Typically our communities existed of maybe a hundred people, right? And we're not meant to share all these opinions with millions and hundreds of thousands, get feedback from hundreds of thousands of people be on social media, checking in and getting the dopamine hit like every single minute. So I think that that was a big thing for me too, of like, okay, I, it's important for me to speak, to, to speak my truth and share this. But at the same time, I don't know if doing it in this context is feeling aligned with me. Cause I know off of social media, 1000% in the conversations I'm having here in my community, no problem to take that and bring it to this, you know, massive platform. I think sometimes that's where I find a bit of a, a disconnect. So I'd love your, your take on that. Yeah. So obviously expressing your authenticity in person, I would say, I don't want to say it's the most important because I feel like that would just be maybe not the right way to put it, but maybe it's the the main priority, right? Because we have two, whether we like to admit it or not, we're living in two different realities, right? I put my phone away for most of December for Christmas. And it was the first time in a long time that I just completely checked out. And I know I was posting, but that was my team that was posting clips we already had in the bank. So I literally was not on it. And I ended up realizing it was so clear how, it's just a different reality. Like the real world is a different reality. And then there is my Instagram reality. There's my online world reality. And they're two different realities. I think that it's imperative that we adjust to both because, you know, so unless you want to go live on a farm for the rest of your life and just completely check out, which is admirable (laughs) and cool. If you want to do that, that's great. But like social media is not going anywhere. The internet or this kind of communication technology, it's not going anywhere. So for me, my approach is I may, I think we need to adapt to it. But I think most importantly for that is 
look, boundaries. I don't consume that much content. Yeah. I really don't. I do not consume a lot of content. I read my comments. I read some of my comments, but it's very calculated. I don't read every single comment. I'm not responding to every single comment. It's not because I'm a dick. Yeah. And I know some business coaches will say, Kayla, social media, you got to, you're a business owner, influencer, you got to engage right. with your, it's like, cool, I get it. But it's gotten to a capacity, it's gotten to a point where I don't have the capacity or the bandwidth yeah. to facilitate all that. So I do it in chunks. I read some of the comments so I can get enough input, feedback, you know, and just enough so that I can get to know my followers and stuff. I'm not in the DMs all day communicating. Yeah, same. I produce content. I make videos. I make things that I think are important and I put them out there. I'm really careful about how much content I consume. I really don't consume that much. Not scrolling unconsciously on Instagram all day long like most people are. I don't like read every comment. I sometimes post and I sometimes post and ghost. And again, business coaches won't. I'm a business coach and I will tell my early on business owners who have a smaller following, I will tell them that they engagement is super important, like connect with your audience. But like just with where I'm at, that's the boundaries that I have to set so that I have the capacity to then put it out. So I think that for me, that doesn't feel super unnatural. I think what it actually is akin to is what it might have been like for like a king in like the 1800s or something, right? Because a king would have had messages that he could have put out to entire, you know, his his nation or whatever. And now we're actually on that level where like people like me and you can do that. No, it's so important. Boundaries are so key. And I think like as a business coach myself, and I hear this from a lot of my students, it's just like, oh, I'm going to have to spend so much time on social media. And it's like, well, or I, or the thing I often hear is I hate social media. I don't want to do social media. I don't want this to be a part of my business. And it's like, well, I get that. But I think the reason you hate social media is because you're actually, you don't realize how much time you're wasting on there and you don't have boundaries around it. So I think if you're really clear and strategic with what you need to post and when to do that, get on there, do that, and then kind of get out, then you won't hate it so much. <laughs> and let me say where I think we could go next that I think is maybe the most important message we could talk about right now. And that is that one of the reasons why, you know, I hear this so much, people are like, oh, social media, it's so toxic. And it's so, and it's like, yeah. social media is literally just a tool that holds, and don't get me wrong, like, you could point out like Instagram, you know, like they have their flaws and like they have their agendas and censorship. And okay, I get yeah. it. Yes, yeah. of course. I'm a big proponent of how much those things are horrible things. But at the end of the day, it really is just a place where we go on and we put, it's like the town square in, in, in a way. And then you decide, and I've tested this, the algorithm just wants you to see, and yes, there's censorship. Yes, there are scenarios where we've been, I've been shadow banned because of what I'm putting out and my account got shut down. Like, yes. But like, I still see when I go on social media, I'm seeing what I am consuming the most, whether that's how much bullshit's going on with COVID. Instagram will show me that all day long, yeah. all day long. They will, if that's what I'm consuming. And if I switch to cat videos, they would show me more cat videos, right? Like, so unfollow the people that aren't serving you. 
um, consume the content that actually contributes to your highest quality of life and doesn't distract you from your greatest good. Right. Because I'll tell you what, and I, I feel compelled to talk about this because I, I know who your audience is in large part, um, at least uh, to a certain degree. And I'm awake to the bullshit. You asked me what's pissed me off in the last three years. There's a lot of things that have pissed me off. But I'll tell you what, and this is maybe the most important thing I can offer today. I do not sit around all day long consuming all the things that piss me off and going down every rabbit hole, reading every fucking conspiracy and thing that's out there. And yes, I know that a lot of these conspiracies have been true Mm -hmm. and probably continue and and will be true. But I do not sit around and dwell on them, live in negative energetic states because of them. Um, I focus on winning and playing the long game. And yes, we got to stand up and fight for all of the injustices and all of the the reasons uh, that the government um, is, all the things that they're doing to infringe on our rights and freedoms, all the dangers and the trends that we see. I'm here to fight against wokeism, progressivism, socialism, government overreach, pharmaceutical bullshit. I'm here to fight and stand up and speak up and make people aware of it all. But I don't live in that state. And one of the things I just feel really passionate about lately, Samantha, is telling our listeners and and the awake, quote unquote, community mm-hmm. that I'm worried and concerned about how many people have actually succumbed to what we criticize. And we criticize how much the people who are like, very pro COVID and lockdowns and mandates, how much they live in fear all day long. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing that in our community as well, too, where people are fucking afraid of everything and they're so pessimistic and they're, they're so afraid of the future. I'm sitting over here. I've never been more excited about all the opportunities in the world. Do we have concerns, things we've got to stand up against? Absolutely. For sure. But we always have, right? That's always been the case. Yes. And, and being awake and I got to give Corey George, um, credit because he's been talking a lot about this. Being awake does not mean sitting around and living in fear and complaining and ringing the alarm all day long and living in a negative energetic state about all of the concerns that we have, whether it's socialism, social credit score systems, digital IDs, digital banking, you know, technology like no that's not being awake being awake is being aware of all those things and then going out and fucking winning Mm -hmm. building your life growing expanding your consciousness expanding your spirituality expanding your health and growing your health and becoming the healthiest and best version of yourself working on your mindset so that you can deal with the inevitable adversity not suffering in imagination all day long Right. right and going out and building a family and building wealth as well too. Because guess what? You want to know one of the biggest antidotes to all of these concerns that we have coming our way if they do go through like digital ID and all, guess what? You don't want to be broke when those things happen. And if you're wealthy, you know, if you look at COVID, you think they gave a shit about lockdown, the wealthy? You think they cared about lockdowns and restrictions and mandates? No, No. because whether we like to admit it or not, that's how our society and economy works. 
So let's expand on that a bit. What does actually like building wealth mean to you? Well, in this context, I'm actually talking specifically about financial wealth. Um, I, I mean, my brand is mental wealth. So I think you can build wealth in and abundance in all different areas. So I don't know where you want to go. If you're talking about building financial wealth, I can definitely talk about that. I think Um, let's do both. Okay. So, I mean, I would say that, okay, to step back a little bit, what I'm really talking about is focusing on what you can control and surrendering and letting go of what you can't and not dwelling on it, not suffering of things that you can't control. So I'll give you an example, like Justin Trudeau. Okay. (laughs) I don't even, I don't even need to get into my hatred for Justin Trudeau. I mean, that, that guy is, is one of my least favorite humans ever. And I'm sure will always be one of my least favorite humans ever. And I think he's a huge problem. He's a huge concern of mine. But I don't sit around and dwell on him. Like I don't let him affect the abundance and the wealth that I can build mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially right. and conditionally. Right. There are things that I can control. I can go on social media and make videos and influence people as much as possible to vote to get him out yes. to write a, a, a letter to the government if I think it's going to matter to sign a petition to show up to. Um, a a protest or a a gathering like to make their own videos to talk to their family members about hey you know I know you're a Trudeau supporter can we maybe like look at that and like are you willing to be open to maybe the other side of it like like have those conversations like those are the things we can control but sitting around and dwelling on it and saying Trudeau is the reason why I don't have freedom or no Right. Like that's not what winners do. Right. So that's building mental wealth, part of building mental wealth, um, along with everything else we talked about, taking care of yourself, like focus on the things you can control yeah. and identify what in this situation do I control? What do I not? Right. Even with the COVID stuff, the mandates, the restrictions, the the mask stuff, like the vaccine stuff, like just ask yourself, what do I control? What do I not? Right. You take ownership and responsibility of the things you can control and you let go and surrender the things you can't because losers dwell and suffer from things that they don't control. Now financial wealth. I mean, what do I mean by that? I mean, look, I'm going to, man, I don't shy away from potentially triggering people or pissing people off. So I'm just going to say it, but there were a lot of people that I think realized and a lot of them are my clients. So I have the most empathy for these people. I'm not trying to shame or judge these people whatsoever, but I think a lot of people realize that, wow, when these vaccine mandates come out, I literally at the snap of the finger can lose everything. Totally. If I don't want to inject some sort of experimental pharmaceutical in me. Mm -hmm. That's a problem, right? That is, um, that's part of making sure that you're playing the long game and you win. And part of creating freedom in your life is to make sure you have leverage over it. So one of the reasons why, and look, I consider luck to be a big part of this. I'm not saying that this is all me, but like I was lucky enough to be in a position where I have my own business. I 
can operate in that business any way I want. I can go anywhere I want. I can like really at the end of the day, the amount of money that I make from it is largely in my control based on what I learn, how I execute, who I hire, how I market. Like I can say things on social media, you know, how many people I know in my life who had a job and, and they agree with me on the co agree with us on the COVID stuff, but they just feel they can't say anything on like, guys, you got to build your own thing and don't shame or judge yourself. If you haven't put yourself in that position yet, that's okay. And I'm not suggesting everyone should be an entrepreneur and everyone can be a multi-million dollar entrepreneur. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that there's many ways to make sure that you have the leverage. Sometimes it's being a freelancer or a contractor in something, developing a skill, right? But be your own entity and make sure you're in something where you can die on your own sword. And then guess what? Speaking of financial wealth, then you control way more about what that paycheck you get is and how much money you actually make. And then you can start to you know, create wealth. Whereas really, if you're working in a company in a job, not only can they take away your job if they don't like what we, you know, what you're doing, and we've seen that with COVID, but also like they determine what your paycheck is every two weeks. And there's usually a limit to that because they're just doing what's quote unquote industry standard. Whereas when you're an entrepreneur, you're a freelancer, you're a contractor, you're doing your own thing. The sky's the limit. Totally. I love that. And I think it's just this false sense of security. It's something that I've heard so often from my clients too, right? It's like this risk of building this business and doing your own thing because, oh, I've got this paycheck that comes in every month or every two weeks. And it's like the sense of security that they feel, but that can be, as we have seen over the years, ripped out from under you in a heartbeat. That's such a good point, Samantha, because literally, um, often what we think is the safe route is actually the biggest risk, right? I believe that we've just seen, especially with COVID, that going and getting, and look, I, again, I just am so worried that people take this as I'm shaming or judging, not in the, not in the least, but I think we've really realized that if you go get a job that yes, your parents probably conditioned you. If you're like most people, school conditioned you, society, you know, conditioned you, your friends to believe that you go get that degree from school and you go and you work in a with a company that's credible and sustainable and they're like they got and then that's the you know safest route and then you can be assured and you you know you put money in your RSP and you know buy your home and that's your biggest investment you wait fucking you know so you're 65 and then And then, you know, maybe you get to retire if you have enough money and you go and you get a financial advisor from the bank and you invest in mutual funds and that's the way to live your life. You know, you get your two to three vacations a year. No, that is to me the biggest fucking risk in the, like that you can do in your entire life. And yeah, everyone thinks that entrepreneurship is so risky. Look, everything is risky. I think good entrepreneurs take calculated risks. I feel like when I really figured out how to build a business, I didn't take, I never bet the farm. I take calculated risks. And at the end of the day, I would truly rather be broke as an entrepreneur living and dying on my own sword than being a slave 
to some company where I'm just a number and they can literally, I have zero leverage and they can literally, uh, by the snap of the finger, take everything away from me. Fuck that. I couldn't agree more. And I know I just triggered all the people who have a job. I get it. Yeah. Just that's what this is all about. I'm here to make you guys think differently. I'm here to offer a different perspective. You might disagree. That's totally fine. But think about it, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I'm curious. Like I know for myself, I definitely grew up in a household where my father said, get a job at the bank or work in technology computers and you have to go to university. And I did go to university, even though I hated pretty much every second of it. I was just like, not a great student. In fact, I think maybe like two years in, I basically stopped showing up for majority of my classes. Um, Cause I just knew that that wasn't the route for me. And I, not that I even thought I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I wanted to go into just a different, you know, a different path. So I know growing up, that was definitely like just the language in my house, the upbringing of getting, you know, a secure job, going to school and playing the safe bet. So I'm curious if like that was the same for you. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, yes and no. My mom is an entrepreneur. She's had a hair salon for um, like over 40 years and she actually does really well. She opened it when she was 21. Like it's a really cool story. I, I really awesome. look up to my mom in that way. Yeah. And like my dad helped her out for a while, but he's more so a job guy. And look, my dad, I'm just, you know, I'm going to be call a spade a spade. My dad uh, does have I would consider a scarcity mindset. So let's talk about the scarcity yeah. mindset. Guys, look, at the end of the day, if you look at most of it, like the the world we're living in today, the environment we're living in today, the way the world is today is like literally a fraction of all of human history. And if you look at most of human history, we had to have a scarcity mindset. What is a scarcity mindset? It's where you operate with the mindset and the belief that resources are scarce and that we should hold on to them when we don't have them. And we should have fear and anxiety when they get low. And we should do everything we can to make sure that we're doing the quote unquote safe, consistent, sustainable option. And for most of human history, you should have a scarce mindset. If you didn't, you probably got killed Right. And in a rare case, maybe the kings had like the abundance minds, but usually they were just born into the right family. Right. So, so we're running off. And once you understand the subconscious mind, you understand that all our 90, that 95% of our thoughts, actions, ideas, and emotions come from our subconscious conditioning. And those are our beliefs that are stored within of how the world works and beliefs about who we are as a person. We're running off that hardware that's wired into us for most of human history that we actually needed. And we're forgetting that we now live in an environment where almost everything isn't life or death. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to me when I get on the phone with people and they're talking to me about how afraid they are because they're 31 years old and like, I have to, I can't leave my corporate job. Like, I got a mortgage and I got, you know, like, and entrepreneurship. And I like, I'd have to like take the risk of like leaving my salary and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't think we even can comprehend. And I get it. I'm empathetic to that. I've been there, but you end up realizing that we live in a world, at least if you live in the West or, and if you're not living in, in a very poor country and 
we're living in a world where like you can almost fuck up and lose everything and most people are not going to be out onto the on the street starving right i don't consider what we do is like life or death things. Whereas most of human history, they were that kind of decision could have made you and your family starve to death, literally, or get killed in a war. So I don't think we're living in that environment anymore. And I get how it's scary, but I think our brain, our conditioning plays tricks on us and it makes us have a scarcity mindset. Whereas I just have really conditioned myself to really operate from like, I'm just always going to figure it out. And sure, I'm going to take a leap. I'm going to get into entrepreneurship. I'm going to go for it. It might not work out, but guess what? I start over again. Right. And I'll like, I'll figure it out. Right. And that's, and, and also expectations. Mm-hmm. Tony Robbins has a really good quote. He says, we get what we tolerate. Right. So part of the abundance mindset and as opposed to scarcity is just not tolerating. Like, I'm sorry. I don't think, I don't view what the average person makes like i don't i don't view like um you know getting your two weeks paycheck every two weeks you get your two to three vacations a year you get your pension that your company gives you and you know you you know invest in some mutual funds and maybe you get to that six figure mark maybe you get to 150,000 and you you know you save a little bit of money every year i don't look at that and this is going to sound pretentious i don't mean it to come across this way i don't look at that as wealth that's like what the average, that's mediocrity in, in my mind. And I don't think that actually gets you to a point where you can really support your family and you can right. really have options because guess what? I think wealth is ultimately options. It's not about having a bunch of money so you can buy nicer watches or yes. clothes or cars. For some people it is. For me, it's options. Mm-hmm. Grant Cardone recently said this and I like Grant Cardone. Like He's not like my favorite, but he says some right. things that I actually really like. Mm-hmm. And I know he's kind of an arrogant cocky asshole sometimes and that's totally fine but he said something recently that he got shit on a lot for he said you're broke if you're not making 400k a year and a lot of people obviously were very triggered by that and i don't think that's exactly what he said he just said like something along the lines of like you got to get to 400k a year or else you're broke you're not able to like truly support the people around you and like get the best health care and all these different things and he got shit on like crazy and he put out a video and he's like hey if you guys have found a way to make a 400 K and support your family and like get all the things like, and he wasn't even talking about like living a large life. He was literally just talking about like truly being able to have freedom. And he's like, if you guys have figured that out, that's cool. But he's like, I haven't, you know, I wasn't able to like truly support my wife, provide for my family, provide for my kids, get, you know, my, take care of my parents and like do all these things until I made that 400 K a year. Now, whether it's actually 400 K or not, that's up for debate, Right. but I get what he's saying. And I believe in what he's saying. I think people just look at him as a pretentious asshole. I think he's actually trying to say something that's really important in recognizing that we get what we tolerate. And if you think that going and getting that, like, working up for 15 years to maybe or 10 years to get that like six figure salary or make you know 150 and like your house is your biggest investment and invest in your rsp and then you know like i've said uh here a couple times on this podcast if you think that that actually is going to make you wealthy and save all your money and debt is bad and no you want to be wealthy you got to break 
all of the conditioning of what society has been telling you and your parents and your friends and your teachers of what they've been telling you wealth really is, I think all of what they've been telling you is a lie and tolerate more because you'll get more. Boom. (laughs) That was so good. How many people am I going to piss off with this? Yeah, I mean, probably (laughs) a lot. And what I really hope is that it's, you're not pissing anyone off. You're just really allowing people to see things in a different way and just opening up their mindset to seeing something else, just seeing another opportunity, seeing it in a different way. Because I think so many of us are stuck. And quite frankly, I know for myself, like I needed somebody to speak to me in that very direct, bold, uncomfortable way. When I hired my coach many years ago, like he didn't fuck around <laughs> and he just got to the point and he said what was going to trigger me and it was uncomfortable. But for me, I, I needed to hear it in that way. And it really got me thinking and it really got me committed to doing things differently. You know, yes, Samantha. So, you know, um, look, our goals really don't matter. I think it's useful to set goals because it's good to begin with the end in mind. But at the end of the day, what really matters, James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, has a really good quote. He says, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems, which means it matters. What are we doing day in and day out, right? What are our habits? What are our actions, our behaviors, our decisions? What are we putting our focus and our attention into? That's what truly matters day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. If you want to change it, so your habits are everything, what you're doing day in and day out, you want to change your habits. I love what James Clear talks about in that book. He says, you change your identity. It's about identity-based habits. You're going to operate in this world based on who you see yourself as a person. And that's what I mean. If you can get, if you can get past how, what I just said sounds arrogant, if you can get past that and you realize that you get what you tolerate. So if you don't tolerate what you've been conditioned to believe is quote unquote success in your average person in society, well, guess what? Then you tolerate more, um, or sorry, I guess you tolerate less. I get, yeah. Am I saying that right? <laughs> I think you guys know what I mean. Yeah. You're not tolerating what the average person considers success in our society. And guess what you end up realizing is then you start to believe that you deserve more. And then literally your habits come yes. from who you believe and see yourself to be. Yeah. So don't tolerate mediocrity. Because mediocrity and the average person that we even consider successful in this society is broke, sick, tired, and lost. Mm-hmm. I've seen it over and over and over again. Totally. Well, that was amazing. I thank you for your boldness and for just speaking your truth and sharing it the way that you share it. It, it, is, it is what it is. And I really appreciate that. And more than anything, I hope that this conversation is just an opportunity to get people to think differently, to dig in a bit deeper. It's one of the biggest requirements to, you know, what you asked me in the beginning of the episode, how do you overcome and manage anxiety or depression or whatever you're going through if you're in a battle with your mind? It starts with a shift in perspective. Totally. You know, like that's it. You got to think differently. You got to challenge all of your beliefs. 
And I'm not right on everything. I'm not suggesting that I am. But that's why I'm bold in saying the things I say is because like, we got to do something differently, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that so, was really awesome. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for uh, having me on and for providing a platform to be able to get these messages out there. My pleasure. It means a lot to have you. And thank you so much for your time. Where can our listeners connect with you and find you? Yeah, there's a few places. I mean, definitely my Instagram is where it's happening the most. Uh, it's at the Kaylor, K A Y L O R, bet. Uh, yeah, bets, B E T T S. So the Kaylor bets. And also, you can check out the podcast. Uh, you were just on, we just had the wellness switch on. Um, <laughs> and I don't know when we're releasing that. I'll leave that completely and entirely up to my team. I don't think we've released it yet. And that'll come out soon and it's called the mental wealth podcast not health wealth the mental wealth podcast you can find it on all, all platforms amazing thank you so much for being with us today thank you i appreciate it samantha my pleasure thank you everyone for being with us today i really appreciate your time and your energy and hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as i did If you would like to connect with Kaler, you can find him over on Instagram at thekalerbets and tune into his podcast, The Mental Wealth Podcast. You can also head on over to buildmentalwealth.co. Thanks again for being with us. If you haven't left us a rating and a review, we would so appreciate it. And connect with me over on Instagram at Holistic Wellness Witch. I always love hearing from you guys. Have a beautiful day. Chat with you next week. Take care. 